Hello and welcome to the Accenture Business Journal for India Leadership Dialogue Series 2022. My name is Ivor Soans and I'm editor of Special Features at BQ Pride and it's my privilege to be your host for today. As part of the Accenture Business Journal for India Leadership Dialogue Series 2022, we are continuing with our insightful conversations on how digital transformation leads to business transformation. Today, we move to the automobile sector, the spearhead of India's manufacturing prowess and potential. And to help us do that today, we have with us Mr. Gopal Mahadevan, Director and Chief Financial Officer at Ashok Leyland Limited, the $2.3 billion flagship company of the Hinduja Group and one of India's largest commercial vehicle manufacturers with operations around the globe. Mr. Mahadevan brings with him over 33 years of experience across diverse industries, from pharma to financial services, and of course, his current rich experience in the automobile sector. We also have with us Manish Chandra, who is a managing director and lead for supply chain, operations strategy, zero-based transformation for Asia-Pacific, Middle East, and Latin America at Accenture. Manish brings with him over 27 years of experience in driving business and digital transformation programs, especially in the auto, industrial, and construction industries. Thank you so much for being here, Gopal and Manish. It's a real privilege to have you with us today. So, Gopal, I wanted to start with you. And currently, this we, we are living in extremely troubling uh, uh, times, right? It almost seems to be a perfect storm out there. Can you tell us about what you are seeing in this uh, current business environment? Are you seeing a perfect storm there or gathering with high inflation, cost pressures, global volatility, and labor and material shortages thanks to uh, supply chain issues? And what is also Ashok Leyland specifically doing to address these challenges as one of India's leading commercial vehicle manufacturers? Thank you very much, uh, Ivar. I think that's a very, uh, in, you know, very interesting and very pertinent question and uh, uh, pleasure to be on this forum. Uh, well, I think the commercial vehicle industry has now started to recover. And, you know, we've had about three years, three years of, uh, or four years, and I call this, you know, lighter note as the periods of feasting and fasting. So hopefully the fasting periods are over and, you know, we will start to dig into the meals as we move forward. Uh, but on a you know on a serious note, uh, there are still challenges uh, not partic just particular to the commercial vehicle industry, but overall. You if you look at the geopolitical space today globally, you see polarization happening on account of uh, you know what's happening in Russia. You typically see in northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere philosophies completely different uh, globally. You know each have their own challenges. Northern Hemisphere typically is talking about, you know, carbon neutrality, etc. Southern Hemisphere is countries are more worried about, you know, the here and now, the employment, the, uh, you know, sustenance and stuff like that. And all of this is also boiling down into, you know, very severe ups and downs in uh, commodities. And also in terms of, uh, especially in terms of, uh, you know, uh, gasoline. You, you've seen that now again, fuel uh, prices have gone up very severely. We've seen commodity prices shooting up whole of uh, last year. They seem to have come off a bit now, but we'll have to wait. So what is, why am I stating all this? And within India itself, you know, uh, like you rightly said, even before that, the semiconductor shortage was something that nobody had even thought about before COVID. Suddenly you had demands of mobile phones, uh, washing machines, televisions, 
laptops and computers all shooting up so much that they sucked almost all the computer you know the semiconductors out of the system today again we are seeing that post that kind of a demand we are seeing the semiconductor uh, situation coming back into a little bit of normalcy so from a commercial vehicle perspective let me tell you that things are looking up uh, we are seeing quarter on quarter the demand going up uh, performance of the industry is getting better riding on the back of uh, you know the gdp growth that is also there uh, in comparison to the rest of the world you know we'll have to look at it in comparative terms and uh, but having said that i think uh, you know we have actually entered a new era and that is a new era of uh, complete uh, volatility and uncertainty it is not just about commodities it's not about just foreign currency it's not about uh, un uh, pure uncertainty but i think there's a lot of uh, uh, you know things that have happened over the last 4 to 5 years in fact if you look at the impact of social media you know that can influence customers the second one is the impact of uh, uh, you know uh, new players in the market now if you take even trucking industry it is not just traditional uh, trucking um, manufacturers who are there there are new age players who are coming in right and then you are also seeing the whole shift to uh, esg that's bringing in a completely different set of demands from customers and finally the level of automation that's coming in is actually also something that organizations need to grapple with to stay efficient and stay ahead so there's at ashok leyland what we are doing is the following there is i would say very careful capital allocation to ensure that we are investing you know rightly into the growth businesses we are doing the same thing for our electric vehicle business as well but the second thing is we have to ensure that every rupee that the you know the company spends is spent on either customer acquisition is spent on you know uh, enhancing our capability and competency is spent on product development and is spent on differentiation so i think uh, you know what is important uh, is for companies to ensure that they deploy all resources to build in future competencies you know they need to stay relevant to stay ahead and it's important that we do not do uh, you know uh, we do not go about our businesses as we have been going even maybe 3 to 4 years back because times have completely changed thank you uh, gopal for uh, putting that uh, so well for really enumerating the challenges and what exactly y'all at ashok leyland are doing as one of uh, india's uh, largest uh, commercial vehicle manufacturers uh, manish given the challenges that uh, gopal brought out so well as an industry leader as one of uh, india's uh, uh, best known uh, uh, cfos and he really went beyond the usual uh, when he when he brought out these challenges i, I would love to hear from you from actionchers global thought leadership uh, perspective what is actionchers seeing what are you seeing again you work with customers around the globe and what is actionchers point of view on what companies should be doing to address uh, these issues uh, thanks a lot ivar uh, i think uh, the challenges were already brought out very very clearly it's really you know a challenge about demand volatility right in significant increase in commodities as well as supply chain related costs supply chain disruptions talent related challenges now given these challenges accenture recently did a study of close to about 2000 companies globally uh, including multiple you know hundreds of companies from india and asia pacific as well what came out from that study was uh, that 
whole aspect of cost transformation is the top three priorities of most companies. In fact, 73% of our companies, based on a study, are either already undertaking or plan to undertake a cost transformation program in the next six months. But what's different about this cost transformation program? One, they are not looking at just incremental cost reduction. They are looking at answering the question, what should my cost be? For example, when COVID hit, most companies, you know, cut down on their SG&A expenses, right? But as normancy is returning, the key question is, what should my cost be, right? Similarly, how do I mitigate the impact uh, of the commodity price fluctuations and the significant increase in supply chain costs, which ocean freight, you know, increasing as much as six times? How do I build a resilient supply chain? an intelligent supply chain, which really gives me advanced signals uh, to really proactively act against any disruptions. How do I really build an agile organization, an agile and a future-ready organization, which can be flexed with disruption? By flexed with disruption is, what should my cost structure be from a manpower cost point of view? How much should it be fixed and how much should it be variable? Can I at any point of time with changing business scenarios answer the question of how many people do I need by role type in this business scenario? So this really requires not just looking at the past. If you ask me, past is not the barometer of the future given today's disruption. So it's really about future. It's really about building a cost analytics capability which can do scenario planning and therefore answer the question, what should my cost be? It's really about building a culture of cost consciousness in the organization where people start looking at companies' money as if it's their own. Uh, it's really about a growth-oriented operating model which can be flexed with disruption, right? Really moving from converting fixed costs to variable costs, because when revenue suddenly came down for most companies, they found that the fixed cost as a percentage of sales significantly increased. So how do I really build a variableized cost structure, uh, which can be flexed with disruption? So it's all really about three key pillars, as Gopal mentioned. It's about, you know, growth, profitability, and sustainability. And really linking all the three, and that's what we call as competitive agility, and intertwine to really make organizations successful. Oh, very well put, uh, Manish. Uh, Gopal, from this, I, I wanted to ask you, how has Ashok Leyland really leveraged zero-based transformation? And especially to build you know, an agile, future-ready organization, the kind of organization that really uh, Manish mentioned, and which also can drive a significant increase in productivity and cost optimization. And what were some of the key success factors for this program at Ashok Leyland? Yeah, I think it's a very pertinent question again. And I think Manish has kind of put this, uh, you know, whole thing very well. You see, what we're doing in Ashok Leyland is the following. You know, there is, we need to pursue growth. And growth comes with effort. So we are putting in all that is required to uh, ensure that we do get more than our share of the customer's wallet and attention. So this is very, very important. And that means we are refreshing our network. We are ensuring that, you know, the reach is being expanded. We look at potential opportunities where, uh, you know, we, uh, we can possibly conquer more customers in newer geographies. 
not only within India but outside India. This is one 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 piece. The second one is actually to invest in product development, which means that we need to come out with faster product development processes, but which are more robust. So again, there has been a complete change in the product development process. It's been compressed, but at the same time, there's a lot of sharpshooting that happens. And we need to ensure that we are fast to launch the products after going through the testing that you know the vehicles have to go through. Here, there is a lot of automation that has been brought into the testing, which will reduce the entire product development lifecycle. And a lot of, uh, like Manish mentioned, a lot of data and analytics is coming in. This is the second bit. The third bit is in people productivity. Here again, I think digital is playing a very, very important role. So what we're doing is, how do we reach the customer in unique ways? How does the customer actually use our vehicles in more unique ways to actually drive their profitability, which means it actually, you know, kind of brings down the TCO to the customer. And it also offers a differentiator from, you know, as a, as a product from the rest of the competition from a show clearance perspective. This is the second bit. The third one is automation of transactions. You know, so we are looking at whatever is not really core, you know, which is, which is, which is not something which is proprietary. We are trying to actually centralize it. And in, in many cases, we are also trying to eliminate it. And we believe that with a lot of robotic process automation and digitization, lot of effort on transaction, transaction initiation, transaction confirmation can be brought down. And finally, we need to do middle line management. And that, again, like Manish mentioned, we need to be really sharpshooting, you know, which means that we need to ensure that we are looking at every expenditure anew, every effort anew, every uh, place at which this expenditure is being, uh, you know, incurred anew to see whether this is required. Is this sufficient? Is it necessary at all? Right? So we do ask these questions. We run these cost improvement programs continuously year on year. This is something that, uh, you know, is happening every year. And one more bit I forgot to mention, you know, for us, material is the, is the largest element of expenditure in the PNL, which will account for nearly 75%. So there are specific projects and programs that are run to reduce or to take out material from the product itself through, you know, alternative materials, alternative design, uh, what we employ as clean sheet costing, which means we, you know, kind of work with vendor partners. But, you know, it's, it's a confluence of all of this. At the same time, every rupee that actually gets gleaned out of this process is actually put back into product development because that's very, very core. And we need to ensure that the products are extremely current. So for organizations, you know, one of the, the most important qualities of organizations today is, you know, they, they need to be extremely cost efficient. You know, they cannot afford to have any amount of flab anywhere. The second one is they not only need to be efficient in, uh, you know, cost, uh, you know, cost management, they also need to be nimble footed, which means the results would need to come out as quickly and as efficiently as possible. But like Manish mentioned, in all this hurry of cost reduction, cost optimization, efficiency and all that, one needs to be very careful that you don't shortchange the future. Because if you do anything that affects your capability or capacity, then actually we would organizations will flounder when the future changes dramatically. 
Yeah, I think Gopal, very, very valid points. A few thoughts from my side. I think what you are rightly saying is this whole aspect of cost transformation is not a slash and burn exercise. It's really about, you know, redeploying your resources, your capabilities and investments to drive growth. Understanding clearly what are the good costs and what are the bad costs? How do I eliminate the bad costs and reinvest my resources, my investments and my capabilities in the areas which can drive growth? It may be new product development, it could be digital transformation. And that's really the strategy which I think you and the leaders are following. Kobal, one more thought. I think you have driven so many successful transformation programs and one you did, you know, as part of Project Aspire and many others as well. In, in your view, what have been the key success factors for these programs? What do you think will make, you know, other organizations learn from you as to how do we drive a successful transformation program? Yeah, and I think, you see, we should dwell a little more on the subject of cost because, you know, that is what is within our control. Frankly, you can only control what is within your control, right? And uh, I think one of the most important things, there are, I would say about three or four factors which actually... Uh, you know, bring out uh, success in a program like this. The first and most important thing is to ensure that the entire organization has been bought into this. And this is not something which is, this has to be supported by the executive leadership team. Okay, this should have, first of all, the time and the attention of the executive leadership team. Without that, no project such as this will work. So, you know, this the senior leadership team should actually steer the company on this. But again, this will not work without the participation and the initiative of the middle management and the lower management. Because those are the people who are actually shouldering the whole organization. So they have to be brought inside, you know, they have to be given roles and responsibilities and also a reward mechanism to ensure that their participation is encouraged and well worth it for them. You know, even in terms of uh, even as you know, a small plaque, a small certificate, an acknowledgement of ideas or execution. So this is one. The first one is the team. The second one is a dispassionate, you know, I would say, uh, look or a zero-based way of looking at things. If you don't start from zero base, and if you start from last year or year before last, and say, I am at the same level of last year or same level as... Uh, year before last, but I have grown my top line by say 50%. It means nothing today in today's uh, nothing means nothing in today's context, because maybe that cost is not required. It may be completely redundant. It could possibly be eliminated. It may not be necessary at all in scheme of things, right? So the whole concept of zero-based budgeting comes in. When you look at your cost, you need really need to ask you know the team and ourselves: Is this cost necessary? And if this cost is being incurred, what is the benefit that I'm deriving out of it? Because let us be candid, everybody, all of us, including me, you know, are very passionate about our budgets. You know, we want to, you know, keep our budgets intact, you know, because we are worried that at the end of the year, we may be left out with no money to spend on the initiatives that, you know, we may want to drive. The most important thing on a cost management initiative or a zero-based budgeting is we need to have someone to look at this very dispassionately. And I have always found the best guys to question an organization are the youngsters. Put them on the job, find the brightest youngsters, give them the power to question. And believe me, they will come up with 
very disruptive ideas. You know, be it in supply chain, be it in manufacturing, be it in overheads, G&A, any aspect of, uh, you know, any aspect of resources that are being consumed. So that is the third aspect. You know, one needs to get into zero-based budget mindset. And zero-based budgeting is not something I'll do in 2022 and forget about it till 2027. You will again have to do it maybe at the end of 2022 and the beginning of 2023. Because see, the whole, see, the whole trick about corporate, uh, you know, sustainable, not sustainability, but to, to win, you know, to, to be relevant, one needs to be extremely efficient in cost. You know, otherwise it's, it's very difficult to, to uh, you know, kind of retract some of the efforts that you've already put in. And then after that, try to say, okay, now let me try to change it and redo. It doesn't work that way anymore. So that would be the fourth aspect of it. And finally, you know, we would need to be acutely aware, like Manish mentioned, you know, in a year when the top line comes off, we suddenly find that GNDA as a percentage of sales is completely out of whack, right? So organizations should be able to size their levels of effort to ensure that any untoward, you know, kind of an external factor which actually impacts their performance is not actually impacting their financial performance beyond a point. You know, so this is, uh, this is very, very core to managing costs in an organization. You know, one has to be very, very sensitive, very sensitive about it. And this will also include not just expenditure, this will also include capital expenditure. Because capital expenditure is that lovely thing where people think it is in the balance sheet. It is, but if you were to, you know, if you were to buy a machine, believe me, you will put five people to manage it and work on it. And then another couple of them to supervise it. And with that will come all the other costs involved. So one has to be extremely careful about how you spend your resources both on the P&L and the balance sheet. Thank you for that uh, masterclass on uh, cost, uh, Gopal. You know, and one of the key things, as I also read about this, uh, is that uh, digital analytics is very important for getting this right. And Manish, I, I wanted to ask you, you all recently did a study on digital transformation. So what are some of the key insights from Accenture's uh, study on digital transformation? And how, in your opinion, are digital transformation initiatives really uh, substantially contributing to value creation and uh, profit increase? And what are also some of the key enablers to sustain digital uh, transformation? Thanks, Ivor. Uh, very, very interesting question. I think we recently did a study of close to about 900 companies globally. This was a cross-industry study. What came out from the study is uh, we'd done a similar study about two years back in pre-COVID. So in the last two years, there is a clear acceleration of digital transformation. On an average, the digital maturity index moved from 39% to 48%, right? But while this increased, uh, the gap between the leaders and the laggards even increased further, right? And the gap has increased significantly. The few companies who've really, you know, accelerated the transformation journey and few companies have remained laggards and have not invested during the COVID times. What comes out from the study, interestingly, that auto industry actually has been the leader in this journey relative to a lot of the other manufacturing industry sectors. 
Uh, that's one, you know, uh, insight. The second uh, insight which has come out is that the leaders have invested exactly in the areas which Gopal was talking about early. They have focused on what we call as agile, you know, product development, right? Really using technology to build in digital twins, design anywhere, a capability, fast prototyping and rapid prototyping is really about a lot of investments in the product development sector. The second aspect is in the supply chain. Lot of investments to build an intelligent supply chain, building a digital twin of supply chain and really ability to do scenario planning so that you can build a resilient supply chain capability which gives you alerts and really gives you advanced warning signals and manage this disruption. Apart from that, uh, you know, uh, the other areas of investments have been in the area of analytics. Uh, getting the, using the full power of analytics, which is internal and external data, structured and unstructured data across the entire enterprise, right? And, and the huge value in terms of analytics in the area of market share improvement, in terms of sales, service, warranty, procurement, uh, and a host of enterprise function, including finance and HR. So that's where leaders have really invested. In addition, I think with the increased focus on sustainability, a lot of investments globally have happened in the area of digital in sustainability because sustainability is not just about looking sustainability within the enterprise, but looking at your suppliers, your dealers and your customers and driving sustainable practices there. Now, what it means is that you need you know, capabilities like blockchain to be able to, to capture data about carbon emissions of your tier two suppliers. Now, that obviously requires huge investments uh, in terms of digital. In terms of uh, what is the foundation for sustaining digital transformation? Uh, in my view, digital uh, transformation is not about technology. It's really about building digital fluency in the organization. It's really about seeing that you transform the, the, all the functions and the entire organization and really build their capability in digital and analytics. Because the challenges which happen is companies invest in digital and technology, but the adoption is very, very low. Uh, just to give you an example, another leader in the auto sector, and they, they have a vision to become an AIoT company. Uh, and, and what they are really doing is they started with this entire digital fluency journey where they cross-trained their entire workforce, close to 4,000 people in the organization across functions in digital and analytics, and also built close to 130 digital pioneers, which are going to spearhead the digital transformation journey across the organization. Now, why are they doing this? Because the profit pool in the auto industry is actually changing. The, the, today, if you see the, the profit is really being made by the auto AENs and the suppliers, but in the new scenario, 40% of the profit pool is going to come from mobility services. So that means, you know, how do you build the capability to move from products to services to outcomes? How do you really start selling services to your customers and get value out of that in terms of increasing your revenue. So that clearly requires building new capabilities in the organization, not just from an IT or digital team, but across the organization. Really changing the culture in the organization where people move to new ways of working and start adopting digital analytics as a way of life. Fascinating uh, stuff, uh, Manisha. It's very interesting 
that you mentioned that auto really leads when it comes to digital transformation. And Gopal, my last and follow-up question to you in this is, how has Ashok Leyland really uh, done this? And how have you all leveraged digital and, and analytics to drive uh, business value in the past? And what are some of the specific areas where you see digital and analytics driving incremental value in the present and in the future? Yeah, here I think, uh, you know, Ashok Leyland is, uh, is actually as current as... Uh, Many of the younger companies, uh, not only in the you know vehicle manufacturing and other industries as well, I think we have had the opportunity to work with Accenture and some of our uh, cost reduction initiatives. See, the first thing we are doing, as Manish had mentioned, you know, the customer today, as I had mentioned earlier, it's it's no longer a product sale; it's a complete solution sale that the customer wants. So, customers saying, "Don't only just sell me the vehicle, help me maintain the vehicle, and help me also to run my business better." So today, our telematics box actually gives out real, almost real-time data about driver behavior, how efficiently is the driver, you know, uh, driving on almost a real-time basis, what is the efficiency he could have, he or she could have brought in at the end of the trip, how efficient was the entire trip, and that goes to the fleet manager of the customer, right? And the fleet manager is able to get a wealth of data the second part is there is an aggregation that's happening in the industry. So a lot of, uh, you know, uh, OE players and including even car manufacturers are saying that let me not just look at selling you a vehicle and selling you a solution. I'll also see what is it that I can do to provide solutions around your vehicle, including financing. So we are integrating with fintech companies. And more importantly, also, how do I take an old vehicle off? You're saying that we'll not only sell your vehicle, we'll not only, you know, give you digital information, we'll not only help you to, uh, you know, help your driver uh, to drive better, we'll also now see how you can kind of, you know, dispose your old vehicle so that you can turn it around into a new vehicle. The second part, digital and analytics has, especially analytics has played a great, you know, kind of, uh, I, I would say, role in for us to bring down our warranty. Because in any... You know, in any uh, OE, one of the biggest expenditures is warranty and warranty administration. And more importantly, to get data about where is the failure coming. The amount of data that we are now able to get, which we are able to convert it into information and then share it with our vendors. See, if a vehicle fails, it's either because of wrongful use by the customer. If you put 20 people into your car, obviously it will fail after some time, right? So that's one. The second one is there could be a problem in manufacturing, which means we have to fix our manufacturing. The third one is could be on design, which means again, we get information whether there are any design flaws in a particular application that's happening. And the fourth one is sourcing, right? So we are able to now fix a problem that we see, a warranty, and the warranty rates are coming off quite sharply. And believe me, vehicles today are far more complicated. Like I told you, they've got a lot more digital. And today with, you know, Barra Stage 6, the exhaust systems have actually got uh, control units talking to each other. You know, you have an after-treatment control unit which talks to the engine control unit and then decides how much of purification has to be done at the tailpipe. So there's a lot of digital that is actually working and a lot of technology that's working inside a vehicle as well. This is the second aspect. The third aspect of it is in terms of manufacturing itself. Today, we have started giving tabs, what they call as hard tabs to our workers, and now they are recording production using those tabs. 
which means what happens is real time a supervisor able to get what is the production that is getting clocked and sometimes what happens is because of non availability it happens very rarely but the production shift supervisor is able to say hey oh, this particular small part has not been fixed in the truck yet and he is able to get a traceability right on to that by the next stage the part is fixed of course if it is a critical part it will not move but i am saying the level of uh you know digital that is available data that is available in manufacturing systems today we are really strictly also i mean we are really trying to pursue industry 4.0 and then we have like uh, manish mentioned right uh, product development lot of co creation activities today it's not just a show clean you're tying up with partners right and you're 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 trying to reduce your product development cycle and also getting all of this would not have been possible you know co creation does not happen without connectedness and here again you know you need to share platform details they come out with ideas ideas have to be imputed 3d modeling is done virtual modeling is done today and then finally we have uh, manpower productivity you know we are now looking at uh, deploying this uh, across the company to see how is uh, is is organized is is ashok leland turning into an edge organization or not you know how many people are deployed to actually service customers how many are directly involved in customer acquisition how many are involved in support services are the support services productive enough can we improve the productivity you know so there's a whole wealth of data that is available and that is how we have also started robotic process automation initiatives within the company it is happening even within finance function you know so we're trying to drive rpa because a lot of the functions today can be done by uh, you know machines and deployment of chatbots see ultimately you know all of this in one way or the other comes back to resource deployment you can call it zero based budgeting you want to call it cost management but ultimately what happens is you want to really look at whether i am getting bang for the rupee that i am spending finally you know organizations miss this out aside of manpower the other most important thing and if you were to leave out material where you know there's a lot of design and stuff that we have to look at supply chain costs are very very crucial and you know why it is important not only inbound and outbound not only logistics but the whole supply chain planning that you do you know so you need to keep it as efficient as possible because this will benefit your supplier and your sub supplier as well i would say from the vendor to the customer the whole chain has to be efficient it can't be just ashok leland standing in the middle thanks global very very interesting points i think specifically the point which you brought in regarding supply chain that the supply chain has to be completely end to end you can't just have a push based supply chain where you are pushing your products to the dealers building their inventory it has to be a combination of push pull and you have to look at costs across the supply chain because finally it is going to hit you back the other interesting point i think which you made and which i remember we did as part of aspire that it's really about looking at processes in terms of what can be eliminated what can be automated and what can be consolidated so that you really remove the mundane the transactional tasks from the people and really make them work towards strategic value adding activities and that's what really an agile organization is all about and if you thanks a lot for your insights very very useful and just to add on what we did was we actually did a deep analysis of each of the processes uh we mapped it out in detail it was a real pain believe me it's it's a painful activity 
but that is like uh, you know doing your uh, what do you call it medical tests you know nobody nobody wants to you know get poked or want to you know wants to do the treadmill test the tmt test and stuff like that but that's that's the core of the whole thing right once you do that we actually reviewed each of these processes then we said instead of changing them can we first eliminate them that's the first question do we need it at all right so we said review eliminate automate centralize and if necessary outsource this was the whole end to end solution and it's it's a it's a continuous uh, improvement program it can never be done in one day but believe me the you know the it, the the productivity improvement that we got was quite significant you know we were able to redeploy it is not about shedding manpower instead of new recruiting we were able to redeploy manpower very uh, intelligently in supply chain in proc- in procurement in uh, finance well as banish put it truly a story of an agile uh, company and at a company that many need to emulate thank you gentlemen it's been a fascinating discussion uh, right from the uh, you know understanding the world as we uh, see today getting into some of these aspects understanding why cost is so important understanding digital digital transformation and how digital and analytics can drive efficiencies across so many uh, of these areas truly uh, i learned a lot from this and i'm sure that our audiences will too thank you for your time thank you uh, for your insights uh, during this conversation